So I'm going to talk about something that I know many, many, many people have been asking through the course of this series. Because um, anytime you start to talk about purpose or you start to talk about God's will or you start to talk about um, the idea that God created human beings for distinct purpose and reasons, that God isn't a random God, he's not a God of chaos, that he doesn't do things on accident, um, that, that the scriptures, when it talks about he formed us in, in, our, in our mother's womb, that he, he knew the days ahead, like all those things are true. When we start to actually start to think about those things and, 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 and God begins to reveal some of those things and speak those things to us, one of the, the biggest questions, like, you know, if you've been here through this series, you know that right after you come to this realization that you have a distinct purpose, that God put you on this planet for a reason, we enter what we call the now what moment or the now what season. And we start to say, okay, now what? Now that I know that I'm created for a distinct purpose, now that I know that God, uh, I'm not an accident, that God has created me, now what? Now what do I do? Now what does it look like? And one of the biggest things that we ask or that we begin to say is, is how does God show me my purpose? How do I find my purpose? How do I, how do I, how do, how do I know and how do I find clarity on what my purpose is? And, and this, is, this is something that's supernatural. This is something that usually takes the dominant focus in a series like this or in a question like this or when God begins to move in our lives. It begins to be a thing that we just constantly come back to. Okay, how do I find it? How do I see it? How is he going to reveal it to me? How is he going to speak it to me? And, and I want to I answer that this morning in a way that you're not going to like up front. I'm just going to warn you about that. There's a scripture when it's talking about David, because this morning we're going to take a break from Simon Peter, and we're going to go to David just for a minute. Um, and I want to show you something. This is two of the most powerful verses um, that God has used in my life, and I, I want to show you what it says about David. Um, if you don't know anything about David, David um, was a shepherd boy who God made a king um, in order to fulfill his purposes and his will in his life. And this is something, this is a scripture, and it's a powerful scripture, and it's a revealing scripture, and I want to talk about it just for a second as we get in this. This is in Acts 13, 22. Just stay in Romans. Acts 13, 22. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw decay. Now, that's a little too descriptive, maybe, but that, Paul's making a point there, but the reality of what this is, and I want you to hold on to this. For those of you that, that still doubt that there's distinctness, for those of you that still are trying to find some, more, uh, some theological grasping or leaning um, to, to discount the reality that God has a distinct purpose and a distinct will um, overall and in each generation and for your life, this scripture point blank says that, that David fulfilled or, or did or accomplished God's purpose in his own generation. And one of the first problems or one of the first things that you have to realize when you start talking about purpose is that your purpose and your will, God's will for your life will always 100% of the time be tied up in his already established will and purpose and plan for this world and this universe. That, you, that your purpose is going to be wrapped up in God's purpose. That, that what God's doing, that he created you to be a part of that. But the reality is, is so many times people, what we like to do is we, we want to go do our thing, go live our will, go live out our purposes, and we just want God to come in behind us and bless us. The problem is, is God is doing his thing, his purpose, his will. It's our life's honor to be a part of what God is doing. God's not going to come around behind you as you go off and chase the idols of your heart and bless you. That's absurd. 
But that's how we live our life so many times. And so when we, we start having this, this idea of purpose and, 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 and distinct purpose in our generation and our time, meaning that like what your great-great-grandparents did doesn't really matter, right? Most of you couldn't even tell me their name. Can you? Just show of hands. Great, great, great. Well, it'll be three people. I studied my line of genealogy. And like, okay. Most of the time, what happened a generation ago or two generations ago does not matter. Right now, God is doing something distinct right now. And your life, your purpose, who you are is connected to that purpose. And so when we start asking the question, we look at this, we, we, we say, how did God reveal his purpose for his generation to David? How did God do that? How did God speak? How did God make it known? How did God reveal it? How did David find it? How did David look? And we start wanting to know the how. How do I find it? How do I get to it? How, how does God speak? How does God do all that? And we're going to talk about that more later on. But the reality of it is, is this is the wrong focus. This is the, the massively wrong focus, the wrong question to be asking. How, how can I find it? How will God reveal it? How does God speak? How does God? This is the wrong thing to ask because here's one thing that I know about God. When God speaks, there's no question that he's speaking. When God makes himself known, there's no question that that's God making himself known. And, and, and there's no distinct answer because God spe uh, speaks and reveals his will in so many different ways, in dreams and in visions. One time he spoke through a donkey. That's how I can be a preacher, right? He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He, he says he speaks through thoughts. He says he speaks through prayer. He speaks through a, a number of ways. And sometimes he doesn't even speak. He just starts moving pieces around, and then you just find yourself here, and then, and then he makes it clear long after you're already in the middle of it. The reality of it is, is, is how God reveals his purpose and how God specifically revealed his purpose to David is the wrong question to be asking. The right question to be asking, the more powerful question to be asking is why. Why did God reveal his purpose to David. Why did God make it known to David? And he answers in the next few scriptures. It says, after removing Saul, it's Acts 13, 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. Now this is God testifying of a man. This is incredibly powerful. God testified concerning him, talking about David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. A big reason why a lot of you have not heard from God is because you're not ready to hear from God. Your heart is not positioned in the right place to hear from God. God said, I, I, I've looked to and fro I'm rejecting Saul as king. I'm raising up someone else. And I want the world to know. I want you to know. I want the prophets to know. I want Israel to know. I want the kings to know. I want the nations to know. And I want all the generations from here until Jesus comes back or here until this. I want you to know why I've found favor in David. Why I've revealed myself to David. Why I'm about to raise up the shepherd and make him a king. The reason is, is because I have looked deep inside of his heart and he is after my heart. His desire is after me. His desire is after what I want. He wants to do what I want him to do. Whatever I want, he's going to do it. Whatever I make clear, he's going to do it. Whatever my will is, that's what David wants his will to be. David's heart is positioned in such a way that he is chasing after, hungering after, thirsting after. That's why David writes, my soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for your presence. I want to do what you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, God, that's what I want to do. It's for your glory. It's for your honor. It's for your name. My heart is after your heart. My will is after your 
your will. I want my thoughts to be your thoughts, my desires to be your desires. And God says, I've looked. It says, I've found, meaning he was looking. I've found in David a heart in the right position to chase after me, hunger after me, thirst after me, and to do all the things that I will. The reality of it is, is that God is not going to speak to you what you are not ready to hear. God is not going to make, no, and I want you to just think about this. It would crush your heart and your mind and your soul and your life if God showed up and revealed to you the fullness of who you're supposed to be and the fullness of your purpose. Just for a second, go back to Simon on the beach. If you've been following the series, we've been going through the life of Simon Peter. Go back to Simon on the beach. What if that very first day, Jesus walked up to Simon and said, hey, Simon, I just want you to know something. I know you haven't really met me yet. I know you don't know who I am, but I want you to come and follow me. Here's the reality of what's going to happen in your life. You're going to walk away from everything you know and everything you love. You've been raised as Simon, but I'm going to turn you into this other guy named Peter. And you're a fisherman, but I'm going to make you a preacher and a leader. You're going to have to walk away from everything you know, everything you love. Get outside your comfort zone. You're going to have to come follow me. Right at the end, when you think things are about to turn right, I'm going to die and disappear. Then the Holy Spirit's going to come and fill you. And then you're going to spend the rest of your life spreading the gospel. Eventually, you're going to be arrested, beaten, destroyed, and killed for my name. Are you ready to go? Simon, along with Jordan, will be hopping back in that boat telling my buddy John, dude's a psychopath. Let's get out of here. <laughs> we couldn't handle it. And even the times that God does start to reveal a little bit of it, it's never the fullness of it. Everybody, what we look for in life, and I just want to caution, what we look for in life is a burning bush moment. We want God to speak to us like out of a bush, like, they're, like we're walking around in the desert somewhere, Walmart or wherever you are, and, like, and all of a sudden, like the fruit catches on fire, and we're just like, huh? I wonder what that is over there. Let me walk over there. Oh, the fruit is on fire, but it's not burning. And then Yahweh, the creator of the universe, begins to speak out in a clear way, and it becomes holy ground, and, and now we know distinctly. But even in that moment, God still didn't reveal the fullness of who Moses was supposed to be. And he still didn't know all the things that he would do. He still didn't know all that he would suffer. He still didn't know all that he would go. and all. He, he didn't know. He didn't know anything. He just knew the first step, which is how God usually speaks. But we look for a burning bush moment. But the reality of it is, if you have to have a burning bush moment in your life, you've probably already missed it. See, he was, God positioned Moses in the kingdom, in the Pharaoh's house. He rose up through it. It was Moses that murdered someone that stuck him out in the desert for 40 years. And finally, God had to show up in a burning bush and say, bro, let's go. Let's go back to Egypt. What are you doing out here? I'm telling you. Because the ones that were paying attention, it was, it was never, it was a, it was a whisper. Remember Elijah? The tornado, the fire, the wind, everything. And it was a whisper. The reality of it is, is that God is not going to reveal himself to you until your position of your heart is in the right place. Purpose is always going to follow position. The purpose, the will of God, who you are, your distinctness is only going to be revealed to you and made known to you when your heart is in the right position. You could say it like this. Life's purpose will only follow the heart's position. If your heart is in the right position, then God's purpose will be made known. If your heart is in the wrong position, your life's purpose will follow after that. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans 2, or Romans 12, verse 2. Starting with actually Romans eleven thirty six. I just want to read this to you and remind us of this. From him, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. For from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever. Now this is Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So he, he's letting us, he's setting us up for something. I want you to hear this. And this is that part where if it was just me and you hanging out on a couch, or me and you hanging out outside, or me and you just getting coffee somewhere and talking, I, I want to tell you truth this morning. The reality of it is until you understand 1136 in its fullness, Everything comes from him. Everything is held together through him and everything is for him. Everything, I have breath because he gave me breath. I have life because he gave me life. I have salvation because he redeemed me. Everything I have, I have because from him and everything is held together through his power. It's Jesus's power. It's the power of God and everything in life, every second of every minute of every month of every year that I live is for his glory and his honor because he is the creator of the universe. And when you get to that place, then you, it's easy to lay your, your life down, your body down, your mind down, your thoughts down, your talents down, the fullness of who you are down before God is a living sacrifice. It's easy because you know everything comes from him, everything is held together through him, and everything is for him. So you lay your body and your mind down. And then he says, stop conforming to the age of the world. Stop conforming to the, to the age, to the culture. Stop conforming. Stop letting yourself be defined by the culture. Step back from it and allow your mind to be renewed and then begin that transformation process. And then, this is the one nobody wants to read the next part. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. This is the reality Everything God is doing in your life, he is doing to drive you down into this position of humility before God. If he's not revealing purpose to you, if he's not, if he's not opening things up, if things aren't becoming clear to you, it's because God is still working on the position of your heart to drive you into this place. And just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the power of your heart being in the right position before God. It'll change everything in your life. I want to go back to David. I'm just going to read through this. David and Goliath. I never, ever, ever, I stay away from David and Goliath because it's been preached like 800 million zillion times. And most of the time, it's like it's wrong. They're not wrong in what they're saying. It's just that they talk about Goliath like this big problem. He's a problem. And David, the little old underdog, and he's just so little and cute, and he's out there with this little, totally, totally not the story whatsoever. The reality of it is, is, this is there's deep power in here, and it really has nothing to do with Goliath. Absolutely nothing to do with Goliath. And I want to show you this. This is the power of a right position. Just for a few minutes, and I want you to, now, I'm not going to be able to get through all these because this is supposed to be two weeks, and last week we had to cancel, and so I'm going to, I'm going to get through these. I promise you'll get to lunch before two, but <laughs> everybody's like, let's get out of here. I want to talk to you. Just, I'm going to hang out just for the first two or three, and then we'll hit the rest next week. But as I begin to talk about these things, and this is something the Lord has just put on my heart and I can't let it go. I want you to just ask yourself. You need to come uh, to be honest with yourself this morning about the position of your heart and how you see things. Because I would be willing to bet many of you, if you're true followers of Jesus and you've been chasing after God, I'd be willing to bet many of you, God has, has been opening things up for you and you've just missed it because of the position of your heart. And I'll show this to you. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. It says that David left the flock. The reason David had to leave the flock is because he was a shepherd. 
And I know that in, in, in the modern day and age, we have this, this big view of a shepherd, this holy view of a shepherd. Shepherd's a cool thing. We have all these pictures. Remember, if you've ever been to old traditional churches, somewhere in that church is a big painting or a picture of a white, blue-eyed shepherd in the Middle East. I've never really understood that. But he's got the thing, and he's sitting there, and he looks like he's a war hero. Right? Because we've glorified. In this day and age, shepherds are like the lowest thing. If you were a shepherd, it's because you screwed up in life. Or they didn't believe in you. In order for David's father to make him a shepherd, what he said was, I've got eight sons. This one almost doesn't even count. So I'm going to stick him out here in the field. Because if you were a shepherd, all you hung out, you didn't have friends. You had sheep. And a lot of times you, you ate what they ate if you ran out of food because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was very difficult to have a wife. It was very difficult to have a family. It was very difficult to do that. You were you usually just signed up to be dirt poor for the rest of your life. That was just how that was going to go. While all the other seven sons are up here having big positions and being trained to take over and being all this stuff. And like Elab, the oldest son, I mean, he's just like, he's, this, this, he's the man and everything. I mean, you're sitting up there. And if for, you to be, for David to be out here, that means that his father rejected him. His father didn't believe in him. His father didn't think he could handle anything else. His brothers didn't really care. Even when Samuel came to talk to them, the family, like David was out in the field and the seven sons and the father was there and David wasn't. And nobody, there's nowhere in scripture it was like, hey, hey, dad, where's David at? Because nobody cared where David was. Because David was a shepherd. Because David was like this little. I like to think he's about this little. <laughs> he's out here in the field. This is a rejection. This is a rejection. This is a punishment almost for not being tall enough, big enough, fast enough, good enough, smart enough. You're the runt. And this is the reality though. David's, the position of his heart was in the right place. So where many of us would perceive this as punishment, David perceived it as preparation. And this is the thing where I want you to understand. I think that God has opened up a lot of doors for your life. You were just too good for them. God probably opened up a lot of opportunities for you, but you were just too good for them. Like what you were chasing in life, that didn't really add up. See, for a lot of us, and it's different for everybody, but a lot of us, we would get out there for the sheep, and this resentment would begin to build up in us. Jealousy and envy will begin. How dare he put me out here? How dare he make me a shepherd? How, how dare? I, and most of us will be starting to get envious and jealous, uh, uh, jealous, jealous of our brothers. We would start to be thinking about it. We would start to trying to figure out how to weasel our way out of here. We'd start trying to figure out how to, how to weed out one of the other brothers for one of their other positions. We would, we would just have this, this thing. Or maybe there would be insecurity just build up inside of us. Oh, if I was tall enough, oh, if I was good enough, oh, if I was this, oh, if I was that, oh, if I was just a little bit smarter, oh, if I just had a little bit of this, if I just had a little bit of that, maybe I could go do something other than being a shepherd. Or just anger, or we would just leave. We would just leave. We would just go. We would just say, no, nah, I'm good, and I'll, I'll go make my, I'll go do something else, be something else. When the position of your heart is wrong, so many times what God puts in front of you, you're too good for, so you miss the reality of what he's trying to do in your life. Because the truth is, out here, this wasn't a punishment. This was preparation. This was actually the greatest blessing in David's life because he was out here in the loneliness. He found a relationship with God that is really bar none any other person in the human history. He learned how to perfect things. He learned how to play instruments. He learned how to lead. He learned how to be a shepherd. He learned how to, because his heart, he knew everything I have comes from God. And everything I have is held together through God. And everything I have is for God. So if God wants me to be a shepherd, if God wants me out here with the sheep, then I'm going to be the best shepherd they can be. I'm going to learn how to lead. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to learn how to take care of them. 
And when lions and bears come, I'm not just going to... See, if you had resentment in your heart towards your father and a lion came, you would be feeding the lion the sheep. Here, eat my stupid father's sheep. Be tying their legs together and then doing lion calls, which I'm not going to do. You hear what I'm saying? See, the, the, you don't, because the position of your heart, you're too focused on the, the biggest, better, next thing. And you miss the reality of where you are. There are so many people. I can't tell you. We, we see this all the time in musicians. And no offense if this is you and if you're sitting here, but you need to hear it anyway. So we, have a, our, we, we love worship. All right? We love our worship band. We love that. We've got an amazing uh, teenager, a student worship band. We've got all this stuff. But there is a big city. You don't get to just come in here and be on the stage. And we have turned away some of the, no offense, Taylor and everybody there, we have turned offense some of the most talented people. We've turned them away because they were too good for the process. Well, you mean I got to go in here and learn this? I got to serve? I got to try out? Nah, yeah, man. You see this? Get out of here. We'll take a humble 15-year-old girl over the most talented 30-year-old man any day of the week because it's the position of the heart. It's the position of the heart. Even when Samuel came and he was looking at Elam, he's looking at all the brothers. God said, I don't look at things the way you look at things. I look into their, their inner heart. I look into who they are. I look into what's going on in here. I don't look in the outer appearance. And when David's heart was in the right position, he became powerful from being out with the shepherds. He learned how to play music. He learned how to lead. He learned how to have a relationship with God. And most distinctly and most famously, he learned how to throw a sling and a stone. It was this and this alone that prepared him for greatness in just a few minutes. So I'm going to ask you this question. How many opportunities do you not have time for because the position of your heart is in the wrong place? Because you're not humble before God. Because you're not ready. To, you're not ever, it's, it's still a lot about you. I took a picture of our parking team this morning because they're out in the rain. When some people stayed at home because it was raining, they're out serving in the rain. We got guys that come in here and clean trash out and, and blow the leaves out. We got guys that own businesses that are worth a ton of money that come in here and do the, the worst jobs imaginable in this church because it's not about them. The position of their heart is right. It's about God's glory, God's honor. And whatever opens up to them, that's what they're going to be a good steward of. How many opportunities did you miss because you didn't have time for it, because you were too good for it, because the position of your heart had you focusing on other things? How, how many opportunities did you have resentment for, become envious of, because you didn't get the next thing, you didn't get the biggest thing, but because you said no to the sheep, you might not hear anything else for the rest of your life. That's the American religious myth, that once God speaks, he'll speak again. No, he won't. Mother Teresa said she heard the voice of God one time and never again, not a single moment after that did she hear the voice of God again. But she held tight to what that one moment said and she did that for the rest of her life. She became one of the greatest people in the universe. He goes on. Israel, he goes out to the battlefield. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. 
After he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming, how he comes out to defy Israel? The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men, listen, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, and this is the part where I just want to ruin your little Sunday school version of David and Goliath. Two things here that you need to hear. David didn't walk away and go pray. God, speak to me. Give me clarity. Should I go kill Goliath? God never actually spoke to David right here in this moment. And David's first question was immediately, what happens if I kill him? Why? Because there was no doubt in David's mind he was going to kill him. And this is the part where I know this is going to, you need to do the research on this if you don't believe this. Everybody talks about David like this is a, this is a courage thing. This is not courage. David knew, David knew immediately, dude, I can kill this guy, no problem. What, what's going to happen? He had this thought, he had this burden in his mind, and he just immediately began to explore it. Remember what Romans says. It doesn't say, and then you will know the will of God. It says, then you will be able to test and approve the will of God. And there's a difference. He began to explore this idea. Like, Listen, I'm, I'm going to go kill this guy. The reason he didn't really doubt, and I hate to break this to you and break down the whole story and everything that ever, almost every preacher has ever preached about it. David was a, a master at the sling. The sling was the most devastating weapon of the day. It was the most powerful weapon of the day. Do you know why? Because you remember those little cute slingshots you had as a kid that were like little Vs and you like, he like bounced off squirrels and the squirrels just ran away. These weren't like this. These were two, three foot slings with smooth rocks similar to today's bullets. They had the stopping power. You want to guess? Of a 44 Magnum. Like, I, I, again, you need to do the research if you don't believe me. David wasn't concerned about Goliath at all. That's my point I'm making. David didn't walk up there and see him as opposition. David saw him as an opportunity to his purpose and his path because his heart was in the right place, because he said yes to the sheep when so many of us would say no. David had already killed lions, and David had already killed bears. David, David knew. David understood. I've got, I've got something this guy doesn't have, and he's not fast enough. He's, he's going to come at me, and I'm going to hit him right between the eyes with this rock, and I'm going to kill him. There was no question. and There wasn't like... Well, you know, maybe I need to go pray. Maybe I need to go fast for seven years before I do anything for God. Maybe I need to go. No, you got, there's just certain things. God will just, there will just be this thought. They'll just, when your heart is in the right position, there will just be these thoughts and these burdens. And you just know because you said yes to the sheep, because you've already been prepared, you just know I'm ready to go. I can do this. I can take this guy out. He turns around. What will happen? What will happen when I kill him? What will happen to the man who kills him? And they said, well, you're going to get a lot of wealth. You're not going to have to pay taxes anymore. You're going to be, you know, infamously famous for the rest of your life. And you're going to marry the king's daughter. This is significant. And I want you to understand this. Without him doing this, he would have never been able to be king. God told him when he was young, he just put this, there was this little Samuel came and he just said, listen, I'm going to anoint you. And one day God's going to raise you up. One day you're going to be king. That's all he knew. 
He just had this distinction of some way, someday, somehow I'm going to do this. But in his mind, when your heart's in the right position, he knew if I kill Goliath, I'll have wealth. If I kill Goliath, I'll have the king's daughter. If I have, I will have a practical legal right to the throne. David understood immediately because his heart was in the right place. This is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. This is the thing I've been praying about. This is my opportunity, not my opposition. This is my chance. I take him out. I'm on the path to my purpose. That's the thing. Goliath was not gave its purpose, but it was his path to his purpose. And see, there's so many times, the rest of them, the way it describes all these little cowards running around, when Goliath walked there and he began to shout, they ran in fear and they were terrified. But because David was prepared and his heart was in the right place, he understood this moment right here. This is my moment. This is the moment. God has delivered me here my entire life. Right now in this moment, I understand. I kill him. This is the piece of the puzzle. This is the step that's missing. He wasn't afraid. I want to talk about why in just a minute. But I want to ask you this question, just like me and you are just sitting there talking at the couch. Because I have people come all the time. They're like, I want to know my purpose, and, and I've got this thing in, and, I, and I've got this doing, and I, and I want to do this, and, God, you know, and I feel like this, and, I, and I'm good at this, and I, want to, and I want to do this, and blah, 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 blah. But most people never do it. The reality of it is, is when we come face to face with those moments that will take us into our destiny, we walk away from it because we're not prepared for it. We have fear of it, and we don't perceive it for what it is. I promise you right now from someone who has walked with the Lord since I was 17, who has been on this journey to fulfill everything God wants me to do, I want to do. That's what I want to do in my life. I promise you every single thing you come against, if your heart is not in the right place, you will have opposition after opposition after opposition after opposition. But if your heart is in the right place, those same things will be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Because it's, it, it, it's like, and that's the thing I want you to understand. There's so many people right now, you're looking for something, but God may have you exactly where you need to be, but because your heart's not in the right place, you don't see it. You're complaining about the very thing that God has put in your life to promote you to the next place of your life. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. Now, I want to share a story in just a minute, it's one I've shared plenty of times before, but it, it's something the Lord has just weighed heavy on me this week. As they come, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go to the next one. It said, they repeated to him what they had said and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elab, listen to this, hit the, Goliath wasn't the opposition. Goliath was an opportunity. The real opposition was right here. Elam's his older brother. David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the man. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I want, I want, I want something. I just want you to hear me again, man. We're just sitting on a couch talking. Nobody else is here. And I'm telling you, this is just one of those things where it's, it's universally true, but I just feel in my heart... I just feel in my heart the Holy Spirit wants to speak to a specific person or specific people this morning about this, and I can't get away from it, and so I'm just going to obey it. See, if, if your heart's in the wrong position, you will, you will keep having Goliaths and problems and opposition in your life, and you'll have a million excuses. Well, I can't take over the land because there's giants in there. I can't take over the land because there's walled cities. I, I can't take over the land because I'm just a shepherd. I can't, take over, I can't do what I've been called to do because I'm just this and I'm just that. But if your heart's in the right place, 
you see Goliath for what he is, he's not opposition. He's an opportunity. God put that battle in front of him in order to promote him to the next thing. The real opposition in life, the real thing that that opposes so many followers of Christ, the real thing that, that stops so many people from fulfilling what God has put them on the earth to do and from walking in this is the people closest to their lives. I'm telling you. It's the father that belittles his child because his child is going in a different direction than he thought he should go. It's, it's, the, it's the mother who's had this, this image and this, this route and this path for her son or her for daughter the entire life. And, and now all of a sudden, God's beginning to move and God's beginning to stir and God's beginning to shake things up and God's beginning to drift over and God's beginning to, to show you and reveal to you the, the field and the flock and Goliath and, and he's beginning to move in your life. But then all of a sudden, because you're, you're starting to go this way, the people closest to you, they're going to come at you and they're going to gut you. They're not going to see it. They're not going to believe in you the way God believes in you. And if you look at each line of what David's brother said to him, he hit almost everything you could possibly insult. He insulted it. He insulted his integrity. He insulted his motivation. He insulted his will. He insulted his experience. He insulted his past, who he was. He said, you're nothing. Who, who are you to even be out here? Who are you to even come? Where are those, where are those few little sheep at, huh, shepherd boy? Don't you understand? You, you, you're talking about Goliath. You're not even a warrior. You haven't even killed a man. You haven't even fought in battle yet. You haven't even done these things. And we know that because in a few minutes later when he's talking to Saul, in order to prove to Saul that he can't do it, he doesn't point to war. It doesn't point to, to battles. He points, I've killed lions and I've killed bears because I've been faithful what God has put in front of me. And I know for a fact that I can kill this guy. But his oldest brother, he just starts cutting him. He just starts gutting him. He just starts saying, no, you need to go this way. And this is the thing that I want you to understand. And I want you to hear me. And there may be only one person in this room listening to me today. And the rest of you don't even know what in the world's going on. But I'm okay with that. The reality of it is, is there will be a still, small voice saying, attack Goliath. Just a burden, just a thought. The vast majority of the other voices you hear will be saying, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not old enough. You're not ready enough. You don't have enough degrees. You don't look like what you need to look like. You're, you're, you're not, you don't have what it takes. Your motivation is wrong. You're conceited. You're arrogant. You're a liar. You're a thief. I know you, and they do know you. I know you, and I know your heart. I know you're not good. I know you can't do this. I know you're here for the wrong reasons. I know. I know you can't. Just why are you even here? And it's not going to be some stranger. It's going to be the people closest to you. It's going to be your oldest brother who's supposed to protect you and help raise you and, and help rear you and help lead you up and help prepare you. It's going to be those that cut you down the deepest. That's the truth. That's the reality. And maybe this morning, God's wanting to speak to some of the parents in the room, some of the older brothers in the room, some of the friends in the room. Don't you understand that even though you gave birth to your child, you did not create them? You did not design them? And you may think they need to be a doctor, but maybe they're called to be a missionary. 
You may, you may think that they need, to, they need to go and be an athlete, and maybe they've got the build for it, but they love music, and they don't want to do that. Maybe, may, I'm just, I'm, maybe don't you understand that, that your thoughts, if your heart's in the wrong position, and you start operating like the older brother, don't you understand that in this life, there'll be that still small voice of God, but what will be screaming at them? What will be weighing down their heart? What will be weighing down their soul? What when God's saying, go right, and you keep saying, go left, 99% of the time, they're going to listen to you. And when they miss their destiny, they miss their purpose, that weight and that blood is going to be on you. See, the position of the heart, it matters. It matters. Just because you go to church, just because you know Jesus, just because you're going, if you are arrogant, if you do not understand that all things come from God, all things are through God, and all things are for God, then you will begin to raise your children in the way the culture told you to raise them. And if and when God begins to move in their heart and move in their life, the greatest temptation to go the opposite direction will be you. And you think about how many things in your life you missed because you listened to the older brother in your life. How many different fields and how many different sheep and how many different Goliaths did you walk away from or run away from because some voice, some somebody, some older brother in your life convinced you that you weren't good enough, that you weren't ready enough. I know for a fact, I remember, I remember the moment the Lord put it in my heart. There were several things the Lord began, the first time he began to speak to me, not a single human being on the planet was on board with what the Lord was leading me to do. I suffered more insults and more about my character, about my past, about my integrity, about not being prepared, about not being ready. When there was this still small voice saying, just preach when I open the door, just preach when I open the door. Everybody else was saying, you don't have a degree. There's too much sin in your life. You've done too much. You've hurt too. I mean, you, you blah. And I'm sitting, and I, there, was this, there was this thing. It wasn't like it was a weighted balance and I needed to make a decision. There was this still, small whisper and thought and burden. And there was the rest of the world saying, you're not ready, you're not good enough, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you want it for your own glory. I mean, everything. From coaches. And my mom, I know my mom loved me, but my mom's, my mom's got like an educator. She's a professor. She's got more degrees than I could even count. And when I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm going to leave high school early and, and chase the path that God wants for me. Do you think that conversation went positively? And when I came to my coach who meant the world to me and I told him and he absolutely condemned me for it. Or the moment when, when I, 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 the Lord first put on my heart to, to, to have this little conference. Have this little conference at, at North Lincoln High School when I was a kid. I was, I was 18, 17 or 18. And, the, and the, the preacher at the time, the mentor at the time in my life, I came to him, I brought it to him. And I knew for a fact, I knew for a fact, this was one of the most distinct times. It was just this thought I was praying, and I knew the Lord just put this on my heart. He just said, this is what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want, it was the first time there was something distinct. First time in my life there was something distinct. I want you to have a, a youth conference at North Lincoln High School years ago. I wasn't in ministry. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't, a, I was barely a preacher. I still had sin in my life that this guy knew about. But I knew for a fact I had, I just, I knew. And he absolutely crucified me. You're not good enough. You're not ready enough. You don't know it. Do you remember the last time you preached? It was horrendous. Do you remember that? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I do. I tried to block it out, but thanks for reminding me. 
And he started going through the list of sins that he knew that, that I was struggling with and the things that I was going. And he just said, you know, you, don't, you haven't even gone to college yet. You don't even, you got to have a degree. You got to do this. You got to do all this stuff. And, and, it's in there. and then he, he took the idea, took it from me and said, okay, we'll do one at North Lincoln, but you're not going to preach at it because of all these reasons. And I remember leaving that meeting and I got in the car and, oh, what he said, he, as a favor, he was going to let me raise money for the conference. All right. Never done that before, but sure. I get in the van. I'm, I mean, in my little Jeep. I have this little Jeep, and I'll never forget this. I drive out. I'm actually, ironically enough, driving past this very building, and I get, I go down to the red light, and I'm, and I'm literally, in my mind, I'm saying, I'm not doing this. I, I wasn't crying, but I was angry at first. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, this, he took it. I shouldn't have ever come to him. I shouldn't have, I was going through all these things, and, and like, all, and I just remember this voice. I just remember this, all this calming peace that came over me, and all I remember was just the Lord saying, but I told you to do this. Be faithful. And I had my turn signal on. I had my turn signal on to go in opposite direction, and then there was this little commercial that came on the radio. 106.9. And he said, we want to thank some of our sponsors. Lake Norman Marina, Denver, North Carolina. Truthfully, didn't even register that it was a marina or a boat. I just heard they gave to Christian people. Maybe they'll give to me. So I turned the turn signal off, made a commitment to God. God, I know that you put it in my heart to be, to do this conference. And even though I'm, I won't preach at it, even though I'm not having anything to do with it, even though I've just been shredded and ripped apart every ounce of who I am, I'm going to do this thing, and, and I guess I'll just go raise money. So in and, and frustration and anger and resentment, but I was trying to be faithful to this thing. I drove over to Lake Norman Marina. I walked in. I talked to the secretary. I said, hey, can I talk to the owner? She was confused because I clearly couldn't afford a boat because I was driving a rock, and she was like, uh, okay. And so, like, I'm not dressed for success. I'm not any. I walk in. I sit down. There's this little bald-headed man sitting across from me. His name's Mark. It's Taylor's dad, if you don't know. And I said, hey, man, uh, we're doing a youth conference at North Lincoln High School. Truthfully, I literally, I, I don't know the date yet because we just decided to do it, but we need to raise money for it because I know stuff's going to cost money. Will you give us some money? No lie. I mean, it was about that sophisticated. No words for like five minutes. And he just was looking at me, and then he, he said, is there like an adult I can talk to? And I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's kind of a jerk, so I don't, I don't really want you to talk to him right now. I kind of hate him. So... Uh, but sure, and he's like, well, why don't you come back in a week and then we'll talk about it. And that was his way of saying, just get out of here because you're weird and I don't know who you are. You just walked in here asking me for money. I don't think he thought I would come back, but I did come back. Showed back up. We went to eat lunch. And God birthed this relationship and this friendship. And it was out of, it was out of, uh, it was out of being faithful to that and ignoring that older brother in my life that I found somebody who was the first person in my life. He believed in me. And God opened up that door and he, he gave us a little bit of money and we went and did the conference, but there was this friendship that was birthed. And this is the thing that I want you to understand. That conference had nothing to do with my purpose. But because my heart was in the right position and I, and I had this, just this thought and this burden and the older brother screaming, my heart was in the right position and I could, I could see the destination through that distraction. And God, God I, I'm sure that he cared about the conference. I'm not saying that, but that wasn't what it was about. It was about meeting Mark. 
Because Mark was in the process of, of planning this church called Harvest Cove with a man named Ryan. And they were off doing what God called them to do. And this, this friendship just began. Eventually, he introduced me to Ryan. Eventually, Ryan said, will not you come and preach? We're doing this youth conference. will not you come and preach at this youth conference? I said, okay. And then I came back once, and then I came back twice. And, and then there came a time when I sat down at a little Mexican restaurant, and Ryan said, hey, will you come and pastor my church? And I said, no, but thanks. And here's the part I want you to understand. After that, I went to church, and then I had that burning bush moment where the power of God and the presence of God rocked me. And he said, I've called you to pastor a church in Denver, North Carolina. This is the one I want you to take over. I put it before you as clear as day. As clear as day, but I was 25. From 17 to 25, I didn't hear much. But my heart was in the right position. And anytime God opened up a field and opened up some sheep and opened up a flock and opened up an opportunity, I was faithful to it. And he opened up some friendships and some relationships. And, and then all of a sudden, one day, I had that moment where he said, this is it. And the thing the Lord has put on my heart, what if when I was sitting at that red light and my, my blinker was this way, what if I went left instead of right? What if I had listened to everything that older brother said to me? What if I had let him dictate who I was and define who I was? What if I had, had allowed the distractions of the earth to cloud what I heard and what I knew? What if I had chosen to go that way instead of be faithful to the little things? I never would have drove over there. I never would have made a fool of myself to Mark. I never would have met this man who's become like a father to me. Like the real older brother I was supposed to have the whole time. And everything that God's doing here, it may still be here. It probably would, but it wouldn't be me. It would be someone else. And that's the thing that I want you to hang on to this morning is God is moving in your life. And it does not matter when he reveals your purpose. It does not matter how he reveals your purpose. It does not matter. What matters is the position of your heart is in the right place. Because when, it, when, it, when the position of your heart is in the right place, it doesn't matter if you're in a field with sheep or if you're on a battlefield with a Goliath. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher at a charter school or, or if you own your own business or if you work at the gas station or if you're volunteering at the church or, or whatever you're doing or if you're unemployed, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. When your heart is in the right position, purpose will just slap you in the face. When your heart is in the right position, God will take these little things and he will turn them into great things. And the reality of it is, is, is you will never, and I'm telling you, you just need to hear me. There's never going to be a moment when you're like, oh, I'm in my purpose now. One day you're just going to be drowning in it. And you're going to be, God, slow down just a little bit. Because it doesn't matter how he reveals his will to you. What matters is you understand that if you're positioned, if you're humble in your heart, and whatever he puts before you, you do it for the glory of God. Whatever he says, you obey it. That's, that's the key. Because if that's the position of your heart, it doesn't matter where you work, what you do, how good you are, how tall you are, doesn't matter what degree you have or you don't have, doesn't matter. Because when the time comes, if your heart is in the right position, you'll be ready. And you'll know. And you'll be faithful. And don't let the older brothers in your life talk you out of your destiny because they didn't create you they may love you but they don't know you 
They don't know you. They may know the Simon in you, but they don't know the Peter in you. And I would challenge everyone, block out the older brothers and don't be an older brother. I believe that God is on the move in this house. I'm telling you, God is absolutely, absolutely raising people up to do some crazy, amazing things right now in this very moment. And I encourage you, if you would just position your heart, humble yourself before God and have this prayer, Father, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because that's why God testified of David. I found somebody after my own heart and he will do all of my will. Whatever it is, he's going to do it. Whatever it is, she's going to do it. That's who God is looking for. He's not looking for the Elam, the older brother, the big, the right, the tall, the degrees, the education. He's not, he doesn't care about that. He's looking for the heart. If your heart is in the right position, he will drown you in purpose. But if your heart is in the wrong position, it will be impossible for you to find it, live it out. And you will live a life nothing but regret, always questioning, always asking, what's my purpose? Forget about your purpose. Put your heart in the right position. And right now, no matter where you are, begin to do everything you are for the glory of God. And when God sees your heart, your heart of worship, your heart of obedience, then he will overload you with more than you could ever handle when it comes to purpose. Remember, remember the talents. The guy who buried it, what happened to it? God took it, gave it to the guy with 10. That's what God will do. So there's a part of me going, won't you guys just all not do your purpose and I'll do it all. telling you your heart's position this morning answer that question before you leave it's my heart in the right position before God if you guys will stand